Let the people of God rejoice and proclaim he is risen. He is risen indeed. Friends, welcome to worship at Morrisville Presbyterian Church on this Easter Sunday. Whether you are a longtime member or visiting with us for the very first time, we welcome you. No matter who you are or where you are on your journey of faith, welcome home. Welcome home among the friends of Morrisville Presbyterian Church. We are delighted you have chosen to worship with us this day. Beloved of God, while it was still dark, Mary was greeted by our risen Lord outside an empty tomb. And may we, too, know the presence of the risen Christ in our worship today. May we shout for joy that he has conquered the grave, for he is risen. He is risen indeed. Let us worship God together. Let us raise our voices on this Easter morning, turn to our bulletin, and join together in our responsive call to worship. Listen, I am telling you a secret. The trumpet will blast, and the dead will be raised with bodies that will not decay, and we will be changed. And when this perishable body has been clothed in what cannot decay, and when the dying body had been clothed in what cannot die, then the statement in Scripture will happen. Death has been swallowed up by a victory. Where is your victory, O death? Where, O death, is your sting? The Lord is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia.
The Spirit of God helps us in our weakness, interceding with sighs too deep for words. Trusting in God's grace, let us confess our sin together. It sounds too good to be true, God, that you would claim us as your own through victory over death. How can love be so far-reaching? How can it be that there is nowhere we can go where your love will not go with us? We doubt your love and your grace because our experience of love is conditional and grace only partial. Overwhelm us with your love that we might trust the good news of resurrection, not only this day, but always. Hear the good news, beloved church. By the grace of God and the witness of our ancestors, the good news of Jesus' resurrection is our rock and our salvation. God, who raised Jesus from the dead, has not given us over to death, but instead restored us to new life. And so together, let us proclaim the greatest news of the gospel. In the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Alleluia. Amen. friends. Happy Easter. It is a joy to be worshiping with you today. You are familiar with my Easter basket, that Easter basket that tells us the story of Jesus from his time as a baby to when he came to love to when he came into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday and people were waving palms to the cross where he died, to the tomb where he was buried, and the stone that was rolled away. And there is one egg left. And that is the egg that we celebrate today. And it is empty. It is empty because the tomb was empty. Jesus was alive. The world celebrated that Jesus had conquered even death. God had conquered death. And Jesus did that for each and every one of us. And this egg got me thinking about our awesome Lenten tree. Have you noticed how much it has bloomed? There are flowers at the base. There are flowers that have bloomed from the branches. There are more and more butterflies that have joined this beautiful tree. 
And I don't know if you remember, but at the beginning of Lent, we asked you to send in those butterflies, and you have done that, and it has been such a gift to us. But what is an even greater gift to me is the things that have been written on those butterflies. Because on those butterflies, we asked you to write, perhaps write something that you are hoping for this Lent. Or write something that, that represents something you'd like to let go of. Or something that you want to transform in your life. Or something that is important to you in these days as you journey with Jesus. And this tree is full of those hopes it is full of those things we want to let go of, those things that separate us from God. It is full of all the things that we have given to God. It is symbolic of the things we have offered to God in this season of Lent. And the thing we celebrate today is that whether it is something we have hoped for or something we have been trying to let go of, all of those things represent truth in our life, things that are true. But the greatest truth of all is what God can do with those things when we are willing to hand them over. The greatest truth we celebrate is that because Jesus was alive, because God came to life from death, we remember that no matter what is happening in our lives, no matter how dark it may seem, no matter how much we might want to let go of something, no matter how much we are hoping for something, God is always at work. God is always doing new things among us just as God did that very first Easter day. Because of what God did in Jesus, because that tomb was empty and Jesus was alive, we can rest in the assurance that God is at work in each of our lives, seeking to make them new. And so whether you were a part of putting a butterfly on this tree or not, I know there are things in your life where God is already at work. Ways you may not be aware of it, may, ways you might know, ways your family might be aware of, or things you could talk about at home together, but God is at work in you. And the greatest gift we can give to God is ourselves. Saying, God, make me into someone new. Someone who is more faithful, more loving, more trusting in you. What a gift we know on this Easter day. The tomb was empty. Jesus was alive. And we know that whatever we are bringing to God, God is helping it to bloom and grow and become new in beautiful ways. And for that, we say thanks be to God. So why don't you pray with me? We will pray together today. Dear God, we thank you that the tomb was empty, that you were alive, and that you are doing new things in us. Help us to tell the story of Jesus to everyone we meet. Alleluia. Amen. I'm going to teach you one more thing. He is risen. And you respond, 
He is risen indeed. Thanks, young friends. Happy Easter. It's a joy to worship with you every week that we're together. Friends, as we turn now to a time for the hearing of Scripture, let us prepare our hearts and minds in prayer. Let us pray. Living God, with joy we celebrate the presence of your risen word. Enliven our hearts by your Holy Spirit so that we may proclaim the good news of eternal and abundant life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our scripture passage this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. Listen for the word of the Lord. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went towards the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? For whom are you looking? Supposing him to be a gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you had carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabuni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. 
But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your God, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray together again. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. And to that end, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight alone. O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, while it was still dark. We've been talking a lot about the darkness during these weeks of Lent, learning to walk through it in a new way. But truth be told, we've been talking about darkness a lot this year. For some of us, that darkness has felt constant, unrelenting, deafening, exhausting. For others, as we've learned in these days of Lent, the darkness, though still ominous, though still a place of uncertainty, the darkness has been a place for hoping, for wrestling, for healing, for questioning. I imagine for Mary, the darkness that surrounded her that morning in the garden was indicative of the state of her heart. After all, the last few days had been nothing short of terrifying and heartbreaking. She had watched her friend and her Lord suffer the depths of human pain on a cross and then take his last breath and die. She had wept. She had cried out, wondering what it was all for and how on earth this could happen. She was grieved to her very core. And she didn't run from that grief or try to pretend she was okay. She didn't fill it all with platitudes or apologize for it or, or tell herself, well, everything happens for a reason. No, no, Mary felt it all. Oh, she felt it all and she told the truth about it and she felt that truth and that truth hurt like hell. Woman, why are you weeping? I am weeping because my friend is dead. I am weeping because they buried him in this tomb and now they have taken my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. That's why, that's why I'm weeping. 
I imagine any one of us could be asked the same question in these days. Why? Why are you weeping? What, what is it that grieves your soul? Why are you weeping? But would we have the courage to tell the truth like Mary? Woman, why are you weeping? Friend, why are you weeping? Nancy, Pat, Alex, Molly, why are you weeping? I am weeping because this pandemic life is unending. And I don't know if I can bear it any longer. I am weeping because I'm watching Easter worship over a computer screen and this is not what Easter is supposed to look like and feel like. I am weeping because my only sister decided to cut ties with her whole family over this last election and it is eating me up inside. I am weeping because my spouse has fallen back into the same addictive cycle and I am terrified for our children and our marriage. I am weeping because people are being murdered in spas and grocery stores. I am weeping because hate is running rampant. Children of God don't feel safe leaving their homes. I am weeping because my brother has cancer. And I can't imagine this life without him. I am weeping because the grief is so intense, it is difficult to breathe. I am weeping because of COVID and its terror, of illness I can't control, bills I can't pay, divorce that's tearing me apart, abuse that hides in the shadows, loneliness, isolation so profound I can barely get through the day. Why am I weeping? Why? Am I weeping? I am weeping because they have taken my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. The truth of this world, the truth of our lives, it hurts deeply. When we're honest, it hurts so badly sometimes we're not sure our hearts can recover. It has us, we has us weeping our way through the day, asking questions long into the night. Sometimes we like to avoid it. We're only human after all. Sometimes we like to avoid the truth of this world. We like to pretend it's not that bad or that it's bound to get better. We tell someone who's hurting that I'm sure it will be fine. Or someone who's grieving that, well, what doesn't kill us makes us stronger. I often think we say these things out of our own discomfort more than we do as a way to actually meet someone who is in pain. Because the truth is, in these moments, there is nothing we can say to ease the pain. Because my friend is dead, and his body is gone, and I do not know 
where they have laid him. Over the course of the last few months in her podcast, Mocking Cast, Sarah Condon has shared of the tragic death of both her parents in a car accident back in December. It's been devastating, and she's readily admitted that she hates running into people these days because, because most of the time, they don't know what to say. And when, when they do know what to say, it's often the exact opposite thing she wants to hear. She said the worst things people say are things like, well, at least you still have your memories. Or, or at least this happened while your kids were old enough to remember them. I don't want platitudes, she lamented. I don't want someone comforting their own discomfort with my situation. I, I, I don't want anyone trying to sugarcoat something that is so sour, so sour, nothing could ever cover its taste. Less than 36 hours after receiving the news of her parents' death, Sarah's best friend Callie was packing Sarah's bags for her so she could travel home. And Callie held up a beautiful new monogrammed bathrobe that Sarah's mother had given her for her birthday three weeks earlier and asked, should I pack this? Sarah took one look at it and said, I don't have anyone to buy me nice things anymore. And recounting the story, Sarah was aware that Callie could have said so many things to try to ease the pain in that moment. Callie could have said, oh, I'll buy you nice things. You, your husband, he'll buy nice things for you. People, people will buy you nice things. But instead, Callie looked at her, and with tears in her eyes, she responded, no, you don't. And Sarah said it was such a relief to her, such a relief because someone was willing to tell her the truth. Someone was willing to sit in the truth, the awful truth, to name the truth and feel the awkwardness and devastation of that truth. Her best friend wasn't trying to sugarcoat it or make it go away, or make it more palatable. Her best friend just told her the truth. It's really hard work to tell the truth. It's hard to tell, it's hard work to tell the truth of our own lives, much less to sit alongside a friend or a family member in their truth. It's hard to sit in the mysteries of this life where we don't have answers and the questions are endless because the truth hurts. 
The truth can be devastating. The truth reminds us that we don't know everything, that tragedy still wreaks havoc, that brokenness is all around us, and that pain and suffering can sneak into our lives when we least expect it. The truth is Jesus died. The truth is it's still dark. The truth is Mary is inconsolable, and the truth is that the worst thing Mary feared actually came to pass. It was the truth. But here's the thing about Easter. Here's the thing about God's Easter truth. While it was still dark, in every sense of the word, while it was still dark, while Mary was still weeping over all that had transpired, Easter met her in her weeping. Christ met her in her weeping. He called her name and said, Go and tell them, Mary. Tell them that you have seen the Lord because even when the world feels most dark, there can still be light. Tell them. Tell them, Mary, tell them. Anne Lamott poetically reminds us that Easter means you can put truth in a grave, but you can't keep it there. You can put all the devastating, heartbreaking, broken truths of this world in a grave. Heck, you can even put the truth into a grave, but you can't keep it there. Because the Easter truth is that death has lost its sting. The Easter truth is that everything that feels true, that is true in this world, depression, cancer, addiction, divorce, loneliness, grief, heartbreak, the truth is that none of it will have the last word. God will have the final word, and in God's world, in God's final victory, every tear will be wiped away. Because death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. Hallelujah, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And I imagine, I imagine there are plenty of you who hear this
I imagine there are many of you who hear these Easter bells, who hear this hallelujah, who hear this Christ is risen, he is risen indeed. I imagine plenty of you hear these words and think, well, thanks for the Easter platitude, Pastor. But oh, my friends, this is not a sugar coat. This is not a platitude. This is a promise. The greatest promise this world has ever known. A promise that whatever truth you are living right now, Whatever truth you are living that feels more true than anything else, that truth about your life or about who you are or what you've done or who the world says you are, that truth will never be God's truth. And that is not a platitude, that is a promise. Because early on that Easter morning, while it was still dark, Mary came to the tomb carrying the devastating truth of her life and she left announcing, I have seen the Lord. And I'm not naive enough to think that that's going to feel easy for all of us today, that attending Easter worship will make the truth of your life outside of here transform into an announcement of hope. I am not naive to think that because unfortunately, friends, I am well aware, well aware that the truths that fill our lives outside of this place resemble the grave of Good Friday far more than they resemble any good news of Easter Sunday. But even though I know these truths, even though I too have walked these truths, I have come to realize again and again that we are not called to explain the darkness of these truths. Rather, we are called to witness together to the light that breaks forth within them. A light that doesn't come the way we think it will. A light that often confounds us but is ever true. Sarah confessed in this desperately dark season that she has felt as if her light has gone out. I have no light left. She told her husband one night after tucking her seven-year-old into bed, I have no light left. But somehow, she said, somehow I know God's light has not gone out. And it stays with us in all of this, and that is the promise that we have. That is the promise, the only promise I can cling to. I thought I knew that was true before, but my God, do I know it to be true now.
Sometimes it's only in the dark. If we're brave enough to stand it, if we're vulnerable enough to feel it, to sit in it and with it for a while, sometimes it's only in the dark that we see God's light most clearly. Because it is always in the dark where God is working to make things new. You can put all the truth of the world in a grave. But you can't keep it there. I've seen it. I know it in my heart, for like Mary, I have seen the Lord. I have seen the Lord because over and over and over again, God pulls me, God pulls you out of the graves we have either dug for ourselves or have found ourselves flung into, and God keeps loving us back to life again and again and again. I have seen it too many times to count. I have seen the Lord and I know you have too. And for those of you who can't see it this year or don't see it or can't proclaim it, that is okay. Because it is not a platitude that will lose its power the moment it's spoken. No, beloved, this is the promise of God. The promise that whatever truth you are living right now that feels more true than anything else, that truth about your life or about who you are or what you've done or who the world says you are, that truth will never, ever be God's truth. The Easter truth is God can and God always will do God's very best work while it's still dark. Thanks be to God. For the Easter truth reminds us again and again, he is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. 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 Please turn to your worship bulletin and join me as we affirm our faith through the words of the Apostles' Creed. Together, let us state what we believe. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, 
the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Beloved Church, He is risen. He is risen indeed. We have received the word, so let us pause to rest in the movement of the Spirit this morning. As the hymn is offered as a musical response, let us reflect on the gifts of God's expansive grace, unconditional love, and Easter truth. May we receive these gifts of grace and respond with joy and love and praise.
Let us pray. O holy God, beyond our imagining and yet near to us as the breath we breathe, we come before you this Easter day in gratitude. We confess, O God, that we like to think of Easter as a sunny and crowded day, full of light and sweetness, redolent of all that is hopeful and perfect. Yet no matter what our lives have been this past year or will be for years to come, you are the one that holds together darkness and light, pain and healing, death and resurrecting life. Those who witnessed your son's resurrection found it to be fearful, yet exhilarating. For you, O great God of surprises, crashed into our reality with something new and unexpected. So this morning, we bring before you our truth, both prayers of praise and pleas of supplication. Lord, bring new life where we are worn and tired. Lord, bring new healing where we are sick. Lord, bring new love where we have turned hard-hearted. Lord, bring new forgiveness where we feel hurt and have hurt others. And Lord, bring the joy and freedom of your Holy Spirit where we need your resurrecting life. God, the vacant cross and the empty tomb vindicate your claim that love is more powerful than death. Your Easter truth is more powerful than any of the world's truth. So fill your people with joy and your church with celebration that the world may know your Holy Son Jesus is not a dead hero we commemorate, but a living Lord we worship, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit we will be our praise, our prayer, our work, our hope, our past, our present, and our future, now and forever. We pray all these things in the name of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, who taught us how to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Beloved church, that is not a platitude. That is promise of God. A promise that reminds us that whatever truth you are living in this world right now, whatever feels more true than anything else, that truth about your life or about who you are 
or what you've done or who the world says you are, that truth will never, ever be God's truth. The Easter truth, the Easter truth we celebrate today is that God can, God always does God's very best work while it is still dark. Thanks be to God. He is risen. He is risen indeed. And as you go out from this place, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you, be with those you love, and be with those you are called to love this day and forevermore. And together we say, Amen.